Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas. And here we are. It's a brand new year. If you didn't get what you really wanted for Christmas, just remember your birthday is eventually going to come around, okay? So, hey, we've been diving into the Christmas carols. The term carol is just an acronym, stands for Common Attitudes Reflecting Our Lord. We've been exploring the last several weeks the attitudes that we see displayed in Christ, which we are called to also have. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus. Now, so far, we've looked at kindness, thankfulness, joyfulness, and holiness, but today's attitude is faithfulness. And no doubt about it, your attitude matters. It's going to affect everything about your day, right? It will affect everyone around you, too. It's going to have an impact on your emotions and even your health. It'll have an impact on the direction of your week. Your attitude is crucially important. As a follower of Christ, your attitude isn't as important as oxygen, of course, but it's a close second. And Paul told us that we should have the same attitude that Christ had. Now, in context, he was talking about humility and obedience. We recognize that we're in charge of our attitudes. I think we do. We also know that we can control our attitudes. And as followers of Christ, we are called to have the same attitude of Christ. Now, today's Christmas carol is, O come, all ye faithful. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. When we rely on God or follow him by faith, we're imitating the attitude of Christ. What does it look like to have faith in God? See, when we are faithful, we are imitating Christ because like him, we're relying on God. See, Jesus was full of faith and he trusted God's will for his life so much so that he is called faithful and true in the book of Revelation. And so we must be faithful. In fact, in some translations, the word meaning to imitate is translated to follow or followers. See, to imitate is to follow, and to follow, it's to imitate. There are three areas that you can exercise those faith muscles. You can simply ask three questions. First, am I relying on the Word of God? In other words, are you reading, listening to, and obeying God's Word? Yes or no? Second, am I relying on the power of God? In other words, do you believe that he has the power to overcome whatever it is that you're going through? And then third, am I relying on the love of God? In other words, do you believe that he loves you more than you can imagine and wants the absolute best for you? I don't know if you've ever had to do a trust fall before. This is often done in a team building activity. I think you're familiar with that. Maybe you've done it at camp where the trust fall activity was done. But this is where a group of people are designated to catch you as you fall backward into their arms. Sometimes from a platform several feet into the air, you, at, you're asked to fall backwards. And the key to this exercise is that you're facing away from those who are catching you and are sometimes blindfolded. In some sense, you know they're there. But there's another part of you that feels like you're falling into the unknown. You ever had that feeling? You have to trust 
that they're there and that they're going to catch you. It's a perfect example, I think, and I think it's described for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Very familiar verse. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, in the trust fall example, confidence in what I hope for, that is to be caught, and assurance about what we do not see, that there's going to be people there with arms extended out, ready to catch me. Faith is an absolutely integral part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's called for and outlined in the Bible over and over again. But what is it? The Bible says that faith is first being sure of what we hope for. That just means it's a guarantee. And second, faith makes us certain of what we do not see. In other words, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he wrote this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. To say that another way, faith is the conviction that God is real and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Bottom line is that faith is reliance on a God that's known to be trustworthy. I think we must answer a simple but very basic question first in order for us to have faith in God. It's this, is God trustworthy? That is, if I trust him, will he catch me? This is going right to the heart of my understanding of who God is. If I view God as some cruel God in the sky who's waiting for me to mess up just so that he can strike me with a lightning bolt, am I going to trust that God with my life? Not at all. But if I view God as the creator of the world, the giver of life, the one who loved me so much that he gave his one and only son for me, the one who holds the keys of, the, of life and death and promised to come back, now that's a God I can at least begin to think about trusting, right? Knowing the character of God will take you far in your ability to trust God, but there comes a point where you have to trust. Or in our example, you have to do the trust fall. Because the reality is that faith contains two aspects. There's an intellectual and an actual or action. There's thinking it and then there's living it. Intellectual assent is believing something to be true in your mind without necessarily doing anything. But faithfulness, faithfulness, trust involves actually living it. For example, when you go to sit in a chair, there's first an intellectual assent that recognizes that that chair is a chair and agreeing that it's designed to support a person who sits on it, specifically you. But trust is actually sitting in the chair. Understanding these two aspects of faith is crucial. Many people believe that certain facts about you know, Jesus Christ, many people will intellectually agree with the facts that the Bible declares about Jesus. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus said, even demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. But knowing those facts, knowing them to be true, is not what the Bible means by faithfulness. The biblical definition of faith requires intellectual assent to the facts and trust in the facts. And to be saved, we must have faith. I think Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 states it very clearly. This is what it says. He said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
You see, we must personally and fully rely on the death of Christ as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We must sit in the chair, to use that analogy, of the salvation that Jesus Christ has provided. This is saving faith. The faith God requires for us for salvation is belief in what the Bible says about who Jesus is and what he accomplished, and then fully trusting in Jesus for that salvation. And yet, biblical definition of faith does not apply only to salvation. This is not a one and done. See, when you begin your walk with Christ by faith, you continue to walk by faith for the rest of your life. You see, faith allows us to believe what the Bible says and faith allows us to obey it. Faith empowers us to believe the promises of God and then live accordingly. Faith enables us to agree with the truth of God's word and to be transformed by it. Faith takes us into the unknown with confidence because we have at our side the one who knows. Faith provides us courage in the face of fear because the great I am is right there with us. See, faith allowed Abraham to obey and take Isaac up that hill to be sacrificed. Moses uh, was allowed to trust that God would part the Red Sea when the enemy was closing in. And faith gave Daniel the ability to stand up to the king, resting easy with the lions. Peter he sets his eyes on Jesus, and with faith, he steps out and begins walking on water. These people not only believed there was a God, but they trusted God with everything. Why is this definition of faith so important? Why must trust accompany agreeing with facts? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, without faith, we cannot be saved. Without faith, the Christian, the, the Christian life just cannot be what God intended for it to be. And Jesus set for us the perfect example. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus is just described as the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I want you to think about that. In the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, we see Jesus the Son display faith, trust towards the Father. Over and over and over again, his is the prime example of what a life of faith could look like. You see, in the wilderness, when he was tempted, we see that Jesus trust, trusted God the Father and he relied on his word. When praying for Lazarus, who had died, we witness his trust that God hears his prayers. In John 11, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And on the cross, as he lay down his life, even during the ascension after the resurrection, Jesus trusted that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Jesus displays over and over again an attitude of faith. If we're to have that same attitude as that of Christ, then we too have to have an attitude of faith. But just in this one perspective here, we see Jesus display what an attitude of faith looks like. Total reliance, fully trusting, a life of faith. And Jesus is blazing a trail for us to follow. He didn't just say, I know I lived a life of faith, but you can all just kind of go and do your own thing. No, he said, take up your cross and follow me. 
What's implicitly implied in that? It's faith. And when we rely on God, we are imitating the attitude of Christ. We are called to have an attitude of faith whereby we rely upon God. Trust Jesus and the word of God. And when we do this, the impact is huge. And what's the opposite of faith? This is interesting. What's distrust, mistrust, skepticism, doubt, lack of confidence, uncertainty, suspicion? You see, when we move towards this, we display a lack of faith. In our ongoing Christian life, we're called again and again to display faith. For example, God calls us to love our enemies. Well, do we have faith to do that? Do we trust God? Do we act on that truth or, or sit in that chair? Do we show faith in God and his word by living this out? Now, no one said this was going to be easy. When that jerk boss becomes your enemy, will you react in love? This is where faith gets real. How about God calls us to tithe? Are you suspicious, skeptical, and doubtful of this biblical truth? Or are you full of faith? God calls us to not worry. That's a hard one to swallow. But in those moments when we worry, we demonstrate our lack of faith. And God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. But does my life, does your life and actions reflect this belief? You see, it's easy to say, oh, I have faith in Christ, when you're talking about a saving faith. Much harder when it comes to the reality of having an attitude of faith every day. I think you'd agree with that. Can I brag on God working in and through you, through all of you for just a moment? Here's what I love about this fellowship. Sure, we don't always get this perfect, but listen, you all are really amazing in this area. I'm so proud of you. You've shown a lot of faith over this past year. You are doers of the word. But you just think about some of the ways we've trusted God and responded to his word and the fruit of, of doing this. God is the one who brings the increase. Because we all know faith always is accompanied by fruit. If you want to see multiplying effect of the kingdom of God, just live by faith and fruit will always follow. See, obedience is our job, right? Results, well, that's God's job. I've had many opportunities in my life, some I accepted and others I didn't believe it was the right thing at the time. Just to name a few, uh, they, I was invited to join a long-term mission team to Brazil. I was invited to do youth ministry in Anchorage, Alaska. I was invited to raise funds for training preachers in Africa. I said no to each of those open doors, but I said yes to other opportunities, and God brought the increase. Many of you have followed the leading of God as he has directed and sent. Hello, you're all rock stars, and God is glorified through your faithfulness. And isn't that the point, God being glorified? But listen, I believe the best is yet to come because we're living by faith. God still has more for us in this coming year and it will require faith. There's more to your story. So how do we continue to build our attitude of faith? Well, we exercise it. Just like physical muscles, when you lift weights, something interesting happens. Intense lifting causes several microscopic tears to form in the fiber and connective tissues of the muscles, according to the Cleveland Clinic. And then with proper rest and nutrients, the muscles slowly rebuild over the following days. As the body rebuilds its muscles, 
It also increases muscle size, strength, and capacity. The same, the exact same applies to your faith muscles. You build your faith by having your faith work over and over again. And those moments of faith grow into deeper trust. The first time I asked my children to jump into my arms in the pool, they looked pretty uh, skeptical and suspicious. But then they took the leap and I caught them. And then the next round, there was less suspicion in their eyes. And soon, while they're just jumping without hesitation and with complete excitement, they had exercised faith in me. Just, they, they trust their dad and they, they, they learned how to trust me. And over time, their faith in me grew. They knew I would catch them. Listen, God is calling you today. Have faith in me. Jump. I've got you. I'll catch you. You can trust me. He'll never let you down. Have you ever encountered a difficult or maybe challenging situation? You decided to have faith and trust God? And through that experience then, on the other side of it, your faith grew? And then you encountered another situation that called for you to have faith. From the previous situation, you've built your faith muscle. And instead of distrust, you again trusted, knowing that God is faithful. That enabled you to have faith. And we begin building our faith muscles over and over again. And as a result, we're getting stronger and stronger. And it's not always a big decision. Honestly, showing faith in the small ways will build your faith muscles up so that when you encounter some heavy spiritual lifting situation, you're ready. You pray in faith. You forgive in faith. You speak by faith. And if you struggle at times, it's quite okay. In moments of doubt, we simply admit it. To get right with God, we've just got to get real with God. And we take our small mustard seed of faith, or as one author put it, our weak faith, and we place it into the hands of the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who is Jesus. And we watch mountains move. All right. The Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful, is so familiar It's been sang in churches for over 200 years. It's been translated into more than 150 languages. It's one of the few religious carols to land on the uh, record charts, making it to the top 10 three times. It's called by some critics, the greatest carol ever written. It was during the early to mid-1900s that English scholar Maurice Frost discovered seven O Come All Ye Faithful transcripts written by the hand and signed by an Englishman named John Francis Wade. As it turns out, in 1745, there was strife between the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church. It was at an all-time high, and many of the believers were forced to take their faith underground. To avoid prison or death, many of them fled to England, including John Wade. Wade was a music scribe. He made his living by copying music in France. Around 1750, Wade put the finishing touches on what would become his most famous tune, Adeste Fidele. Having been translated into English, it became popular in the early 1900s, just as the caroling movement swept through the country. Isn't it interesting that often, out of some of the hardest times in our lives, God does his greatest work? We only need to be faithful. This week, some of you are going to encounter situations and circumstances that will require you to put your faith on full display. You're going to be tempted to doubt God, be suspicious of His plan, or maybe even to be skeptical. You'll be tempted to rely on yourself. 
you'll be tempted to toss faith aside. The battle has always been the same. Will we follow the word and therefore the will of God, or will we follow our own reasoning? As you box up Christmas this year, why not also decide that you're going to keep out faith, that you're going to walk today and then again tomorrow, one day at a time, faithful to the will of God? Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful because when we look back over the past year, year and a half, two years, we see your fingerprints all over our lives. For those, Father, who have walked with you all of their lives, we see your fingerprints. And Father, for those who may be hearing the gospel, may be brand new to walking with you, maybe just investigating the claims of Christ, they also can look back and they can see your hand on their lives. Father, my prayer is that everyone listening will determine that they are going to be faithful to you and to you only. Father, we want nothing more than for you to be glorified, and we know that you will be glorified. We pray, Father, that you will empower us to live the life that you are calling us to live. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.